Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and today on the show, we have a lo-fi bedroom pop artist who, uh, um, you can, you, he performs pretty frequently around town. Uh, you can catch him at his show, whether it's Cactus Club or High Dive or any uh, DIY basement in town. Um, he's uh, often at all those places. Uh, his latest EP is called Shadow, just dropped last year. We've got So Zuppy. Hey, thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for being here. How was your day today? It's well. I woke up pretty early, started studying for an exam, took that 12.30. How'd that go? I think it went well. Um, it was pretty easy. It was about like classical and Baroque music history. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are, you, are you polished in that area? Mm, a little bit. It's like one of the required classes in music school but yeah yeah for sure <laughs> well um well yeah man uh i guess this is a good way to kick off your summer for uh, sure. sitting here doing a little nice guy yeah show. i really appreciate you having me on man <laughs> yeah i uh think this calls for some sun kiss pink lemonade for sure leftover from last night <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, shout out Gluttony Sin and Emily Ecker. Uh, we drank a lot of alcohol and I was definitely feeling it this morning. I like don't even really remember walking home. <laughs> um, yeah, pleasant Capriccio. Well, cheers to that. Yeah. Man, I forgot pink lemonade even existed. Like, it's a good <laughs> summertime drink. It definitely is. And I like just wasn't seeing it anywhere for like a long time. Um, but. Uh, it's good to see that it's still on shelves. Mm -hmm. This is like the only juice I would drink growing up. It's like all we had. I mean, not this brand, but you know, pink lemonade in general. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, it's like if I, um, sometimes my mom would uh, curve my soda intake. Like she wouldn't <laughs> let me get like soda all the time because it's bad for you. Right. So she'd let me get pink lemonade. You know? So it's slightly better. Yeah. I mean. It's not great, <laughs> yeah. but. Um, do they even have to specify non-carbonated? <laughs> yeah. So here's what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy. The show is love and fear. So um, I'm interested in how artists kind of um, use those driving forces to um, express themselves and how it's reflected in their creative work. And so you are, um, so we met at uh, Fat Charlie's. Shout out Fat Charlie's, mm -hmm. uh, new DIY spot uh, on the east side. Um, saw you again at Nausicaa a couple weeks ago. And um, yeah, and interviewing you after the show, I like, needless to say, you're one of the most unique artists I've talked to. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, I, just the whole way you've kind of um, branded yourself as an artist. And um, also, I don't. It's also just cool to see um, artists that have that affinity for like sort of like the lo-fi aesthetic, that kind of fuzzy, like beachy sort of pop sound. Um, yeah. Dream Avu, that's his debut album. Also really good. Thank you. Um, so, um, so I want to, I guess, hear a little bit about like sort of how to start. Um, this is a really fascinating story. To start, how you developed your like what what so zuppy is like how you developed that 
that phrase, mm-hmm. um, and uh, why you chose to stick with it. Yeah, that's a good question. I think these days there are a lot of bands out there, a lot of kind of stereotypical names that you'd expect a band to have. And for a long time, I performed under a different name. You might be able to find it somewhere online. I don't feel like really <laughs> saying it again. But, yeah, uh, sure. Well, yeah, I was trying to figure out a new moniker or stage name to go by. I had countless notebooks of like endless possibilities and of names, and I couldn't seem to really choose one. And and then I started kind of looking back. This was about the time I was writing Dream Avu, which is was largely inspired by like surreal dream states and like lucid dream states. Yeah. So I kept thinking back to these couple of dreams I had. Um, the first one I had back in high school, and I was like wandering this kind of abandoned massive carnival. Nobody was there except for a bunch of like rolling, tumbling pieces of paper. And the the whole subject of that dream was like me chasing that paper and like trying to figure out what was on that paper. And by the end of it, I picked one up and it just said, so. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I woke up, didn't really think much of it at the time and kept living my life. the second dream is where Zuppy got its name, and in that dream I was in this crazy, like, futuristic mansion, like, running around, and there was this little creature that was about this big, like, small dog, but it had the body of a horse and the head of some sort of dog, mm-hmm. and it was zipping around the apartment, and it had this, like, really unbelievably beautiful and like accepting energy and you know most dogs kind of embody that um yeah but we were like having this telepathic relationship in this dream of like communication and Zuppy stuck with me so mm-hmm. Zuppy. <laughs> yeah no it's man um uh have you drawn this Zuppy? Yeah, yeah, I've had a few different versions, Every, like, once in a while in class, like, I'll just draw in the margins, but, yeah, yeah, it's fun to draw, I think yeah. it's definitely blue, has, like, a little mini mane. <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. That's dope, uh, the, the latest mythical creature, <laughs> Zuppy, um, but, no, that, that is really fascinating, um, I think that... You're right about how I think artists sort of overthink, you know, their title, um, the kind of like their, like what, what they go by, um, performing or creating, what have you, like even myself, I, it took me a while to settle on the name for this show. Um, I did a podcast a couple, like two years ago now, if you could even call it a podcast, I did like four episodes of it, but um, it was called the Slowdown with Slowy. Um, if you find, if you search me on SoundCloud, you can still find the four interviews that I did. Um, but that name kind of came from like my friends 
that when they were helping me sort of like um, pick, when they were helping me out with like finding my name. Um, and like, sure, it was kind of like a flashy sort of fun name to start with, but like, after a while, it's like, it's not really a, like a serious name. I didn't feel like people would really take me very seriously um, mm -hmm. with if like I was going to do this show and like actually do something that I want people to watch and that I want to gain traction, then um, I don't know. I think Slowdown was slow. He's a little corny. So I, I definitely get that. Um, I think Nice Guy just kind of, um, yeah, it, it just kind of clicked with me one day. It can feel like you kind of pigeonhole yourself based on what name you had. That's yeah. kind of the situation of why I changed my moniker in the first place because mm -hmm. the one I used to use was like a very matter-of-fact like statement about my music in a way um, and it made me feel kind of stuck so that's why I think like the sort of ambiguous open-ended kind of nonsensical name right, yeah. appealed to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's something that no one is going to, like, right off the bat understand. No one's right. going to be able to, like, have any sort of preconceived notion over about you mm -hmm. and about who you are. Like, honestly, like, when I um, when I first saw So Zuppy, I thought it was, um, I thought it was going to be, like, some weird, like, neo-pop band or something <laughs> like that. But... But then it turned out it was you, <laughs> it was, and it was just you. Just me, yeah. Um, and uh, dreams are really incredible in that way. Um, almost like, uh, it's almost kind of terrifying sometimes um, how much dreams sort of shape, um, how, how they sort of like take shape, like even when you're awake sometimes, like mm -hmm. I'll have like random sort of like, um, I'll just kind of have like moments of zoning out where like I'll remember things I saw in dreams or like I'll mm. feel a certain way that like I felt in a dream and I'll get like a sense of deja vu or something like that. Yeah, that's where dream vu came from. It's like dream vu, but I mean deja vu, but oh wow, instead. Sure. Because there was a time I don't really get it much anymore, but you know when I was writing it, I was constantly feeling like, well, did I fucking dream this moment right now? Or yeah. I don't know, but it's a very strange feeling. It's distinguished from deja vu, where like you know this like weird thing happened, and yeah, it's hard. To you know. don't tr you don't trace it back to a dream specifically. You kind of just feel like, did I live this before? Mm -hmm. But yeah, dream. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. I, I mm -hmm. felt that too. Where it's like I don't know if I've liked if I've like seen this like. Um, uh, if like I got like a preview of this like in a dream before of this moment and like now it's happening or something like that. Yeah, I think that's kind of the evolutionary reason for dreams, kind of like giving us practice for the weird things that'll happen in real life or even mundane things. Mm. You know. Yeah, yeah, like because sometimes you'll have those like really like jumbled and sort of. Um, just very like uh, um, nonsensical dreams, the ones that are just sort of like a, um, it's just like a culmination of a lot of things or people or experiences you've had or that all kind of like blend together, which 
you know, I, I think that it sometimes like, but sometimes dreams will be very super, super vivid. And like, I'll be in a specifically like, like intelligent scenario and like have to make decisions in that scenario. And it's like, you can, you can't really like, uh, it, it, it keeps you guessing. You never know what, what night it's going to be, you know, what right, you're going to wake right. up from. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, like... I found that um, every once in a while, when I'm really lucky, a song will come to me in a dream. And I've had times where, like, a melody or maybe, like, a chord progression will just appear to me in a dream. And I've woken up and sung it into my voice memos on my phone or like plunked oh, wow. it on the piano and I started doing that and like trying to make it happen so much that I started to have the dream where the melody would come or like the lyric would come and then I would dream that I woke up and started writing it down <laughs> so I, it's like a dream within a dream scenario wow. where like I thought I woke up and started singing it but I'm still really dreaming and I never actually end up waking up and writing it down. It's, it's really true. Oh, wow. Yeah, shit. That's like... Damn, yeah, that is wild. Um, um, you ever... Uh, have you ever gotten, like, sleep paralysis before? Yeah, that's a very scary occurrence. I haven't actually... I don't think I've ever had it, but... I did get night terrors a lot when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I remember, like, waking up and just screaming and like yeah. being terribly afraid of <laughs> god knows what um but yeah never i don't think i ever actually have really dealt with paralysis what's it like for you sleep paralysis for some reason whenever it happens to me i'm like sleeping on my arm like weird so it's pinned and i'm like internally trying to like unpin my arm because it's falling asleep or whatever mm -hmm. but it's happened to me so much that i kind of know how to keep my cool when it's happening and I've learned some techniques on to how to wake up from it. Mm -hmm. One of them being, so basically what's happening is your, your brain, when you fall asleep at a certain point, like your brain turns off functions of your body so that you don't act out your dreams. And you know, sometimes there's glitches and your brain still shuts off your body and you're actually awake. So what you can do, one of the only things that you can control while you're in sleep paralysis is your breathing. So I've found that if you start taking really deep breaths, just like consistently, it'll wake you up. Hmm. But sure. um, on the topic of night terrors, I've had like a reoccurring night terror for like basically my entire life. That oh, wow. Um, kind of revolves around the, uh, the concept of home invasions and it's really fascinating like I'm, I'm not really scared by them per se anymore because I've kind of like accepted it and it's kind of like entertainment in a way <laughs> yeah yeah um, but yeah it's always different people different scenarios different houses different like villains it could be ghosts people I know um, different creatures like oh. that Sounds like a show. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird. It's really yeah. weird. <laughs> totally. Um, do you feel like, um, do you think that dreams, like, I mean, I, I, I know it does for me, but like for you, do you feel like 
a lot of the things in your dreams are like, um, like, do you find yourself often faced with things like you've been running away from or things that like you have yet to address? Mm-hmm. For sure. Like if something, like maybe I have a friend that I got into a fight with or something and we haven't really resolved it yet, then I'll find myself having dreams of like really dramatic scenarios involving yeah. like what could happen. And honestly, when that happens, it kind of makes me want to better the scenario. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's kind of like a learning practice time like I said earlier like yeah um, yeah absolutely um I've definitely felt that too we like I wake up from a dream and like it'll if I'm in like some kind of conflict with somebody um I'll like have a dream about it and a lot of times I'll wake up and decide that like I need to address this like Mm -hmm. I've had a dream about it this is kind of like sort of like a um it's like a, a wake up call Right. Literally and figuratively. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. um, Sure. I, yeah. um, So, in terms of, like, surrealism, like, what... And I know that, like, there's a lot of surrealism that, um, you know, like you said, like, kind of takes place thematically in your music. Um, Like, what does that term, like, how would you define it? And, like, how do you relate to it? In terms of my music, I think surrealism is mainly embodied through lyrics and maybe occasionally experimental production techniques. Um, I like to explore kind of haphazard lyrics that don't aren't like super obvious with what they mean and could be open for interpretation. Yeah. Um, I think when lyrics are very direct and matter-of-fact, it seems a little... It can go on the verge of, like, corny a little bit. Um, but in terms of production, I explore a lot of, like, surreal... different field recordings and manipulating them and processing them and working them into some of the produced music that I make. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, surrealism is something I'm drawn to in terms of the media I consume too, like movies and books, graphic novels, visual artwork. Yeah. Where things just don't really, they're not what they seem, or there's something like, there's more to it than like what you initially like are drawn to. Mm -hmm. Like, and you kind of have to dig into it to really like understand. Like, is that how like, sort of, you would define? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure like innately what part of my core is drawn to it. I just know that I am. Yeah. I just right. like the, the weird weirdness of it and kind of like getting a break from reality. Oh yeah. I I mean, hey, I fucking love David Lynch. He <laughs> yeah. is uh one of my favorite filmmakers and he is a master of the surrealist uh genre of cinema. Um I I think it's really fascinating too because it kind of um it sort of strips like the world from a lot of its superficiality Mm -hmm. um it kind of makes it like where you know especially when it comes to things like the media or things that you know we 
things that, you know, we have like been, we have learned growing up and like continue to understand it as our, as the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like, um, your, it gives your mind or, or I guess like your perception a chance to sort of like put a spin on like, you know, on your surroundings or put a spin on like, you know, what something, what everything around you means and just like how, and, um, I definitely think it's a direct comment on reality and kind of like a, a protest to maybe sort of like the normalness that we all lead and kind of are expected to follow in terms of our everyday life. Yeah, totally. Or like when, or for example, also like when something tragic happens or, and like you get intensely affected by it, um, or traumatized by it, or on the flip side, when something amazing happens to you and it doesn't feel real, like it's like, I guess that's your mind attempting to sort of, your mind is being challenged with sort of like reframing what is, what your understanding of like that normalcy is, Mm. um, like that sense of like reality around you. Like your mind is just thrown this huge curveball and like basically have to figure out how to like readjust and Something I find very surreal in, in society is the concept of like crass commercialism mm-hmm. and like how and like tourist traps and just things that just have like you've been to the Wisconsin Dells, right? right? Yeah. yeah, like you go into that town and like it seems like you're you're taught like you, you understand growing up just how like it's this place that like every kid wants to go to yeah, and it's yeah. so much fun. <laughs> it's like it's an amazing like resort town and like you beg your parents to take you but you grow up and you you actually like like go to you actually go there and you look around and you're like wow this town is fucking weird uh-huh. like this is just a really like ear there's just such a sense of eeriness to it and especially when no one's there yeah yeah it's just super super like um there's there's just something about it that's just kind of that surrealism where it's like how is this like like how does a place like this like make sense like what like like why are like why do people like buy into this Mm -hmm. like what is so fascinating about this place that like everyone is just like um has just uh like um I think a lot of it is, you know, it's obviously marketed towards children, and children have this sort of idealized view of the world, and they're, they get really excited about things like theme water parks, and theme parks, and... And weird they museums. They totally buy into stuff, it, they yeah. like Ripley's or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of like growing up and realizing the weirdness of it it feels like you're on the outside of it now but i think it's really special and magical that it exists for those like kids to experience right. it because i remember like you said being so excited about going to those sorts of things as a kid and like yeah. i don't know they're very awe-inspiring and 
But then, yeah, right. But then, yeah, you grow up and you just find yourself so outside of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah, I think that that's a good way to put it. Is just you feel, you just feel super outside of like that, um, that like reality that um, that you've that you're shrouded in. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's I think the way films play with it can be really cool too. <laughs> Have you seen the movie The Holy Mountain? Yes. I just saw that at the Oriental, I oh, think. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the first time I've seen it. It was it was mind-blowingly good. Yeah. It was the most this very at times like the vulgar. Yeah. Cuz I think surrealism can definitely lead to the to the vulgar and I think that's a good thing. It's not always just like random flowers, daisies. And right, yeah. It's, it's also like kind of dark and destructive things too, like you said. Yeah, like Blue Velvet also is another good example of a movie that plays with that. Like, it's, yeah, like it seems like this normal everyday town, but there's like all these, like, there's this weird, like, um, sort of, there's just this huge, um, like, plots conspiracy occurring, mm -hmm. like, within film explores that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Holy Mountain. When I saw it, I actually didn't see. I didn't see the entire thing because it kept fucking buffering. <laughs> um, Damn you, streaming! Honestly, yeah, <laughs> really annoying. But it seemed very symbolic. Mm -hmm. um, like just well, for sure. from what I was like, the parts I did see, like it seems like generally a very like symbolic movie. Um, Definitely what, what commenting was on. Like what was going on at the yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. Like politics and like wars and that sort of thing. Too. Mm -hmm. Religion. Um, what were you gonna say? Oh no, I, um, you kind of like hit mm -hmm. it right now on the head. Um, um, where did you? So like, where did you feel like you grew? Um, like uh, as as an artist, like um, between dream. Dream Avu and Shadow, um, where did you find, like, sort of, how would you define your evolution there? Okay, yeah. When I was writing Dream Avu is when I first moved to Milwaukee, and honestly, that whole summer, I was, like, a total hermit and didn't really do shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Basically, just locked myself inside and wrote songs all day and, you know, maybe rode my bike once in a while. Yeah. But since then, I've realized like the importance of the balance of going out and doing shit and action and locking yourself in and writing because to me it's really tempting to live a sort of hermetic lifestyle at times but I think in terms of evolution as sort of like an artist in general I've sort of gotten better at like networking and trying to find shows and playing and mm -hmm. meeting new people in terms of music, though, I think um, Dream Avu was a very necessary step for me to take because before that I hadn't produced my own records, I hadn't yep. really messed around with any any different anything beyond my guitar and my voice, essentially. So that album really got me out of my comfort zone and got me trying different things and now, f from there, I've realized kind of where I want to go in terms of songwriting. Um, I've, I've realized that I'm 
gonna keep with my acoustic guitar, although at times I felt like I was maybe never gonna touch it again. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, yeah, it's it always starts with the acoustic guitar and goes from there. Sure. And you started working with more samples and like mm -hmm. electronics. Uh... Yeah, with my last batch of songs for the Shadow EP, I used a lot of samples from my friends playing like piano or saxophone, and then I took clips of those and made them into tracks. Um, yeah, those are fun, and I've been learning that the performance side of those production-based songs is a little weird for me still because a lot of the times I can't really reproduce it in the live setting by myself, so I kind of just have to play the backing track, mm -hmm. which is a little uncomfortable for me yeah. just because it feels like karaoke or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so I, I try to also have guitar present on the track so I can just kind of be doing doing something and make it look like I'm actually entertaining rather than just like mumbling into a mic. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I remember I remember seeing you at that Nausicaa show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you looked like the master of ceremonies. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a... But you were, you were doing songs you didn't normally do. Right. And yeah. that was... So you still made it like unique among your performances and it was mm -hmm. still pretty cool. Yeah, for that show... I think at the time I was getting a little sick of playing my just regular acoustic set, so I started looking back at my old B-sides that I've made in the previous like summer, and I was like, you know what, these are actually pretty fun. Maybe mm -hmm. I won't release them, but I kind of want to play them at least once. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, um, so I remember... Um, you had mentioned that you feel you're most inspired by life experiences mm -hmm. uh, rather than like looking to like um, you know previous artistry and sort of like um, uh, deriving a lot of um, influence from that. Like you, you based on things that like you've lived through and things mm -hmm. that you've like um, just seen, um, like. Uh, I imagine dreams would be like uh, a big source of inspiration for you. Um, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, um, in terms of scenarios that happen in my life that inspire me, it's mostly, honestly, interactions between people, um, experiences I have like within myself, like internal struggles and beautiful things that happen. Yeah, like it's. Like, even things, like, you know when you're driving on the highway at night and, like, your headlights will will flash, like, the sign as you're driving by? Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that, like, the instant your headlights hit that little sign, like, a little rainbow sometimes occurs. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, that little flash of a moment are, like, beautiful things that inspire me. Like, I don't know, just weird oh, wow, yeah. things, like, little intricacies of life definitely inspire me um, but in terms of yeah I think a lot of people get stuck with describing what they are influenced by they just name other artists yeah which isn't a bad thing because you know everything that basically any artist does is informed by 
what's happened in the past and you can't really escape from that and you can't really hide your influences even if you try it yeah. in terms of you know your your musical style so mm -hmm. to speak yeah and i think a lot of people sort of pick up on that even if you don't outright say it like i think a big habit of most musicians is they'll like see a local band and then they'll go up to them after and be like oh you sound like so and so so and so yeah. and that and that's happened to me you know a handful of times and it's like you know i'm not just trying to copy or copy like artists or whatever i'm trying to like and do my own have my own voice so yeah. i try not to like tip my hand and emulate <laughs> like everything and other artists were doing right, right. i actually uh, i've tried to uh, get out of I've tried to get out of the habit of doing that when I talk to musicians because it's it can be insulting to them um, even if like they genuinely do take inspiration from that artist or right. like they do like that artist like um, I remember like um, one of my friends like showed me some music he made he was like a garage rock like sort of like like a surf pop artist um, and he, he had made some music I listened to it and like um, and like I told him oh yeah like this kind of sounds like uh, the band's like like uh, Best Coast or like Yuck um, and he was like well I don't like those bands <laughs> and I felt so bad because like even though I knew like my intentions were good and like I know he knew my intentions were good like I still felt right. like I, you know, made him feel bad or that I made him, like, feel like he wasn't doing what he was trying to do. So, like, I've always, I've tried to, like, shake that habit. Like, I never try to, like, say, do exactly what you said. Like, walk up to an artist after a show and be like, oh, you gave me, like, these kind of, like, these vibes, like, from this artist. But, like, that's... I mean, it shows that you're well-versed and kind of, like, knowledgeable about, like, different genres which is like totally commendable, but I think a lot of artists are like sensitive and really want to believe that what they're doing is like unique. super unique, yeah. but a lot of the times it maybe isn't, <laughs> which yeah. is totally like normal. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and like I, and I think that any creatives are sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. um, like even if someone told me that like my show reminded them a lot of like what this other podcast host was doing, like part like part of me would be like, oh, thanks, like that must mean that must be a sign that I'm doing something correctly. But part of me will also be like, well, I don't want to be too much like them. I, right. I want to still like do something a little differently. And I read so like I, a lot of times like I'll like read like other um, like when I read other music journalism. Um, I try to like, like I'll look at the style of writing before I even look at the content uh, of the article. Okay. And I look at like how someone constructed a story. Um, like I'll look at things like Milwaukee Record or mm. the Journal Sentinel's music section and stuff like that. Like I'll look at sort of like how they decided to tell the story. Um, and I won't really, I won't always look at like what the article is specifically like telling mm -hmm. because like I'm in a way like I'm trying to look for myself like doing something differently than they are. Like I want to, I want to be right at the end of the day, I want to be writing my stories like 
in my own way. Right. And like something that's just, you know, independent of like what another publication is doing. Um, which sometimes makes me not even want to look at other journalism mm -hmm. because I don't want to like sound like, or, um, or I don't even want to, um, be overly self-critical. See, that's a dangerous road to go down. I've found myself in terms of music kind of doing that too. Like the past few months I've been listening to less and less music just because of, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, you don't want to soak that in and like have that come yeah, through your music yeah. or like it's a, it's a weird thing that happens. Um, and I guess maybe where you are in terms of writing, you've realized that like there are a certain set of different styles and like you can kind of break it down in terms of like the theory of the article. You know? And that's kind of what I do. And like when I hear a new song, I'll be like, okay. And now that I can, like I have like a little bit of a trained ear from going to school, I can kind of like know what is happening theoretically and harmonically in a song. So it sort of makes me, I don't know, it's great to know that, but it also makes you a little um, underwhelmed by most things. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. It kind of like takes the magic out of it. Because you have your own sense of like how you want something to sound mm -hmm. or how you want something to look. Um, right. And because you said you said earlier you look you listen for a lot of like the technical aspects of the music, the chord pro progressions, mm -hmm. the timbres, the um, you know the polyrhythmic uh, components of of songs in some instances. Like you like a musician is gonna like notice that before some like I do. Oh, for sure. Cause like I don't make music, mm -hmm. um, but I might notice something about like the AP style of a, of a mm. news article <laughs> before someone else looks at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. What's up, Micah? Hey. Um, all right, dude. What keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Oh, snap. Probably my refrigerator and the drunk people outside. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Where do you live? Uh, on the east side, like right on Prospect. Right uh, yeah, on. you're gonna get a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of address hoppers there. Yeah, for sure. What puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? I think my refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Keep, well, it keeps you up and puts you to sleep. Yeah. Sure, right. Uh, probably the uh, the notion that tomorrow's a new day. That's really cheesy, but yeah. That's <laughs> no, true. Um, yeah. No, I always like. I always like, I look forward to waking up. Mm -hmm. I go to, like, what puts me to sleep is looking forward to waking up. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It was a good time. Um, so Zappi streaming everywhere, shadow EP, dream Avu, and, uh, got new music coming out soon. Yeah. Probably this summer. Hopefully. Fuck. Yeah. Stay well, tuned. Keep an eye on it. All right. Thanks for watching Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.